Welcome back, Crusaders, to the Nerd Crusade Podcast, episode 44. I'm your host, Ian, and with me, as always, is Courtney. Hello. This week, we're going to be talking about some TV shows, uh, Scott Pilgrim, uh, Invincible, and Monarch, Legacy of Monsters again. Uh, we finally got caught up on all those shows, uh, especially uh, Scott Pilgrim, which definitely did take us for quite a loop. That's just not going to be that, that fine. Okay. Okay. So, um, we'll start with Scott Pilgrim. Uh, yeah, Scott all... Pilgrim Takes Off is what yeah. the show on Netflix is called. All uh, eight episodes are out. And as we said, the very first episode follows beats of the movie almost exactly until the very end of it. Where the big twist in that episode is that it looks like Scott did not beat Matthew Patel. Yep. That and he gets killed. Yeah. This The rest of the show goes a whole different direction. Yes. Which, I don't know if that's what the manga does. If the manga did, the manga was like very forward-thinking and meta before anything else, so I kind of doubt the manga went that route. Because if the manga went that route, that means Scott Pilgrim vs. the World was was basically a footnote of the story that they, that they decided to take that concept and make that into the movie. And then the comics, a completely opposite story. But um, I don't think that's. I don't it. think I don't think that's what they did either. Yeah, I think this is its own new original thing. Yeah, and I love it. I think it's based off of the the manga, meaning it has the same characters and all that stuff. Yeah. So, basically, what's happening here in this eight episode show is that instead of following the beats of the movie like you would expect to do, because it is doing that in the very first episode, it goes a route where Scott has been Scott disappeared. People think he's dead. They have a full funeral for him in the second episode. Yep. Um, then moving on to that, no, Scott was kidnapped, and Ramona is spending all her time trying to find Scott. Trying to find Scott and eliminating the evil exes as to who could be uh, guilty of kidnapping Scott and and guilty of this plot. Mm-hmm. The cool cool thing is about this is that we get much more background about everybody. Except the twins. The twins will always remain yeah, a mystery, just which a mystery. I think is fine. But everyone else gets their own big backstory uh, as to who, what type of character they are, who they are, how Ramona uh, met them, how they did, and how Ramona left. Um, because all we got from the from everything else was like a short, quick tidbit of it, and then she left. Yeah. And she That she over. always leaves. Yeah. Um, we got more of an idea of why she was leave, leaving people, and... And then she also gives them closure for her leaving. Yeah. So by and, <laughs> and so at the end, it's like they're all accepted. They're like, yeah, we're not a League of Eagle Evixes anymore. We're cool with what happened. Yeah. Because we finally got our closure. And like, uh, it goes into this like crazy side plot where basically um, the plot of, bas- plot of basically Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is written out as a movie script. And written at written by Young Neil or somebody posing as Young Neil, and Young Neil just takes it, and then that becomes a movie script, and then by the end of the show, it's, it's become a musical, an off Broadway musical, yeah, um, starring with, Matthew Patel. Yeah, Matthew Patel has kicked Gideon out of the uh, the league and taken over and take, his empire. Yeah, taken over the G Man Empire. So like this goes completely in another direction, but it's cool to see like all the background. Cool to see that like you know Chris Evans gets gets to do more with Lucas Lee than just that one fight scene. Yes. Uh, cool to see that Matthew Patel gets a lot more 
time instead of just his quick little thing. But really, in the movie, it was just all those actors got like their one little snippet of their fight. Yeah, everyone was very short and, and very quick. And then they're gone. And it, it was so focused on Scott. So like you said earlier, it was just really nice to see them focus on every other character. And every other character got to have a, more of a backstory uh, and plot device in this show. Yeah, um, I think one of the characters that kind of left out are... The twins. The twins, for sure. Evie Adams gets kind of left out a little bit. Yeah. Because um, she just kind of plays the role of evil ex-girlfriend, basically. Yeah. It's, it's, kind of a, it's just kind of a bitch the whole time. Um, but I'm impressed that Brie Larson could still pull off that voice. Like, and that perfectly. Acting, uh, <laughs> fairly well, considering what she's done since then. Um, and it's cool that Evie Adams was actually redheaded in this and not the blonde that she was in the movie. Yes. Because I believe that's what she's supposed to be in the manga anyway. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> as we thought, we thought Knives was going to have a whole lot of it. It turns out Knives ends up joining the band. Yes. <laughs> and they end up making a song about how bread makes you fat. Um, <laughs> so they, throw, they do throw tidbits from the movie back in there. Um, and tidbits from the game, too. And definitely from the game. Like, the backgrounds that we see, like, the video store stuff, if you've played Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the video game, when they're walking through the streets of Toronto, those those little stores you can go into are, like, are highlighted here as well. Um, and they kind of have, like, a few, like, kind of themings and stuff. It was, like, Roxy's episode was, like, a cinema noir thing. with a cinephile episode. Yes. Where they basically were fighting in a video store, so her and Ramona are falling through different movie genres. Um, Lucas Lee was like the '90s, like skater punk, skater die type of episode. Yep. Um, so it, did, it went very well, and it's really cool to see all those backgrounds to where we, then we get the whole big reveal at the end is that Scott's not dead. Scott's not dead, and it's Scott is the one kind of behind the whole thing, the whole, behind kidnapping Scott because basically, uh. Him and Ramona got, get married and have a happy marriage for 13 years, and then it's not even divorce. He says it's divorce, but they just but they're, separated. Just, they're just separated. Yeah, because they had a fight. And so uh, he wants to never have met Ramona before, so he has why he kisses up Scott, and then starts this whole snowball of events happening. And it ends up being the big bad boss at the end is, is Scott again. An at, older Scott. An older Scott. Scott at 47 years old. <laughs> Who then spent another ten years, like just training to beat the shit out of everybody. Yep. Um, and then Ramona's also responsible too, because the person who wrote the whole script of Scott Pilgrim versus the World War here, they call it Scott Pilgrim's Preci Precious, Precious Little, Little Life. Life. Uh, was Ramona mm -hmm. who went back in time and typed out the whole script and said written by Young Neil, and then left, hoping that the hoping that knowing what what really happened. Should help correct things, which it never did. Yeah, it, it did. It made it worse. Yeah, <laughs> according um, to her. We find out that Gideon's real name is Gordon Goose. Yeah, and that Julie actually likes him when he's like being evil and plotting stuff. Uh, it's really funny because like all the evil Alexis become actual characters. They all get their backstories. They all get closure. They and, all become friends. And basically, everybody, and yeah, everyone in the whole whole thing becomes because at the end they start thinking, oh. I still have to beat all the evil exes no matter what because there's some force field blocking uh, Ramona and Scott from kissing. Yeah. And, but, like, nobody wants to fight them because, like, no, dude, we're cool. Yeah, we're cool. I'm fine with you. Yeah, date Ramona. Go for it. Yeah, even the, even the twins were, like, we don't get their backstory. All we know is in the future, 
37 year old Scott is in a band with them. So like, yeah, we heard in the future that we're cool. So no, no worries. Yeah. So we're fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is cool that they integrated the robot character there, which, yeah, um, which you fight a lot in the, uh, game. Yeah. It ends up being what the bosses in the game for the twins is like a giant version of that robot. Mm-hmm. Um, or he appears quite a bit there. He doesn't appear at all in the movie, but I'm sure he's there in the manga. Um, so it's cool that he, that, that's there. That's a big focus of it. Um, it's cool. This is a completely new adventure, so it's really, really awesome. Hopefully, this just stays as a one shot, and they don't try and do anything else with it. It would be hard because they have a whole epilogue, yeah. Afterwards, so it would it wouldn't make any sense. And this is like a great ending for the Scott Pilgrim kind of franchise. I think. yeah, I think I think together together with the movie, the manga, and this is like a good like if you really like Scott Pilgrim. And just all the content, including the video game, yep. and you'll watch enjoy. this last. Yeah, this is the thing to watch last for sure, just because it sets you up for okay, they're following the beats of the movie, like almost exactly at yeah. certain points, but only diverging a little bit. And then becomes a who done it. Yeah. Um. So really, really good, really enchanting. We definitely recommend that. Um. Definitely, probably ten out of ten. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Um. Again, I prefer the music from the movie. Music mm-hmm. here isn't that isn't that bad, um, but it's cool how they theme some of the episodes, and how the plot goes, and even like the major fight at the end, and it just <laughs> being like a lover's uh, quarrel that Scott blew up, like like any. The funny thing is because even at that point, it's a thirty-seven year old man, he's like, "I'm not the one that's at fault. It's it's she's at fault." And, like you won't explain exactly what happened, yeah, because um, he just assumes that he's the good guy. Of course. Even though he's going to, his ultimate plan at 47 was, I'm going to fight and defeat everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, really good. The animation is great. The styles do kind of change from episode to episode a little bit, uh, which is refreshing. Uh, yet they still use, like, kind of the basic uh, character designs of everybody. Mm-hmm. So, this is a good example of, like, here's a simple simple animation, but they go, they go the route for all the action stuff of making it more complex. Uh, and way better that way. Um, so where they're not like doing what a lot of the shows do where it's like, here's the tweens, here's all the automated, uh, stuff that they're throwing in there. So they don't have to draw every frame as easy as that stuff is to do. It always looks like shit. So it's good to see that they did a good mixture of blending styles. So Mm -hmm. it actually works really well. Yeah. All right, so that's Scott Pilgrim. Um, moving on, we'll go on to Invincible. Yes, we're, we're caught up. We watched the last two episodes uh, that came out. Yeah, and, and it really what just fucked. Is all I have to say. Yeah, it really just shows how fucked up his dad is. Yeah, um, his dad, his dad's people. Yeah, so basically, it gives us more insight that hey, the. The Vetramites or whatever the fuck assholes. are assholes. They just go around, they destroy everything. Uh, if they breathe, it has to be to breed offspring that's as equal to them or better. If they find it to be inferior, they end up killing it. Yeah, that's why Mark is perfectly fine existing in their eyes because the uh, human race is on par with uh, their people. <laughs> yeah. And so what ends up happening is in the big the big kind of the big thing that happens in the latest episode is that Mark kind of, Mark gets tricked into running off to this planet to save all these people. Yeah, all um, these bug people. All these bug people. They say, Hey, our planet's gonna be destroyed by asteroids. We need your help. Help, please help us. He completely disobeys Cecil and says, Yeah, I'm going to go help the, this planet because they said they need my help. 
Um, and then we find out that it was all a ruse that his dad had set up so he could see him again. So his dad kind of comes up with this kind of bullshit type apology of, hey, look, I replaced your mother and you with a new wife and a new child. But look, I saved all these people because I felt I needed to turn over a new lease. So I'm yeah. better now. It's so like, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. And it's, it's like, holy fuck. So you fucked a bug and now you have a half bug <clears throat> child that will only live about a year, maybe a year and a half. Well, maybe longer because his side like slows down their stuff. Like, but they're always supposed to have like a year long life. Yeah. Uh, in human terms, as as what the bug wife said. Yeah, but like, I don't expect the kid to live like years on. <laughs> yeah, who knows what it might be? But it's like his dad's idea of an apology was it's fucked up because he like went off after the fight with him. And just kind of float through space. He's going to throw himself in a black hole. But then save this bug uh, ship. And save their 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 lives and brought them back to their planet or whatnot. And then became their savior and started helping them. And then thought that that, that made up for all the horrible shit he did on Earth. And <sighs> still does, doesn't get, like, why his kids why his kids still pissed him. Like, dude, you replaced his mother. You replaced him. And now you're you're forcing your kid to help protect them against the Vetramites who are there to who are coming. Coming, and um, he thought like, oh, I'll have like a few weeks to train up Mark so we can fight when they come. Nope, they come right away. Yeah, and they basically <clears throat> they kill a bunch of them. Um, yeah, but they end up Mark and, and Omni Man end up losing, and Omni Mark Man does save uh, his half brother. Yeah, he does. Mark does the right thing and, and saves everybody. Because Mark's good. I mean, Mark can't turn his back on helping, and that's what his dad figured he would do. Yeah. And his dad was correct. <laughs> and so they fight uh, the Vetramites. One that we thought got that Iron Man killed did not kill. He's holding his guts in with his hand. Because they and are fights. strong, motherfuckers. Yeah, there was um, three of them. Yeah, they killed at least two of them. They killed two because they both got their heads crushed. Yeah, and the third one that we thought died first came back and basically uh, took out both Mark and Omni-Man. To where we find out that Omni-Man is going to be taken back and be tried for his crimes of abandoning Post and mating with another and, inferior being and whatnot. Yep, and, and uh, also be executed. Yeah, and then they basically tell Mark, like, all right, go back to Earth and be a be a Vertramite and like set it up for our us to take over. Yeah, as if he's supposed to just take over his dad's role when he's like, clearly I don't want to fucking work with you guys. What the fuck? But they just yeah. assume like, yeah, your job is to go back to Earth. Go get out of here. Yeah, we'll be coming. So you can either kill like a few hundred people or we'll kill millions. It's up to you. Yeah. It's like what the fuck? Um. So that's that's mainly the that's mainly what's happening in the major story arc. What, el- what the other part that happened in episode three, which is mainly just a background on Seth Rogen's character, which was this one-eyed uh, uh, alien alien guy who basically <clears throat> had joined the intergalactic uh, council that's all like trying to fight against uh, unite and fight against the. Vegemites uh, invasion army. You could call them Vegemites. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they end up. You end up finding out that he was genetically altered to be their strongest, like superhero of their race, and that's kind of what he's been doing is trying to find other planets to put into this count, this alliance. He's pitched them that hey, Mark is a Vegemite guy. He will, but he's fighting against them. And the dad left the post, so, like, that's a weakness of theirs. We need to exploit that. 
But it's also a sign that, hey, there's a mole in the council or something, so he needs, he's getting assigned to go figure out who the mole is. Yep. And then immediately the Vegemite people show up and they fucking just kill him. Yeah, because they're trying to figure out <clears throat> who's Mark, where he is, <clears throat> and... Uh, find Omni-Man, basically. And find Omni-Man. Well, mostly, yeah, mostly find Omni-Man. To and, find out why he abandoned his post, what yeah. the fuck's going on. Which they do, as we said, like... They, they, Which happens in episode four. It's the same three yeah, people. same three people that they end up uh, killing all but one, and they capture Omni-Man. So the next episode will, poss- will possibly be either Mark saving his father and breaking him out, and or, then having to convince Earth that, hey, no, Omni-Man's here to save us, and, per- and we're going to fight off this invasion. Yeah, or Mark goes back to Earth, tell Cecil and they go well what the fuck are we going to do <laughs> yeah I mean their eyes are now strictly set on there this council of alliance is not is not useful because we know that the mole is the head guy of the council he's the one that ended up turning off the life support on Seth Rogen's character's uh, hospital bed to kill him yes so it's like clearly when I knew like he gave him the sign of the hey there's a mole in the council it's like it's that dude yeah <laughs> it's, it's always the person that tells you that there's a mole here and we need to find him it's like yeah it's you okay so that was just kind of the background that there are an alliance of aliens that are trying to fight back but stand no chance of doing so yeah um only people d- does really is Mark and his father but even they got their ass beat by just three of them. And there's going to be a whole army of them showing up to Earth eventually. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from that um, and how they continue. But that's where we are now. We're all caught up where Mark is struggling to not be like his father. And his father somehow has this delusion that, oh, I'm good now because, look, I saved the whole planet instead of uh-huh. destroying it. Like he, It's like he really just does not get it. No. And Mark is so frustrated that he can't sit down to explain it to him because it's not like he's going to understand it anyway. Because mm-hmm. um, all he cares about now is like, oh, don't don't let me kill your stepbrother. I'm like, it's like why I'm the fuck should I care, dude? Like, yeah, you replaced me. Fuck off. Yeah, this is a half bug. It's going to die in like, like six months or a year. Honestly, if Mark knew how to get back to Earth, he would have left because he was planning oh, on leaving. But like, basically, his dad said, well, you don't know the way. It'll take you too long to get back by yourself. Yeah, you're it's not like, good at navigation. It's, it's like, like, well, fuck. <laughs> He's basically trapped there is what uh, is what happened. Yeah. So uh oh, that's why Mark. he that's why Mark was kinda of stuck there to help and had to help and fight. I think if he knew where it was, like if this was Mars, he would have just went home. Yeah. He, he said, just fuck went- you, you're full of shit, this is bullshit, solve your own goddamn problems. Mm-hmm. Um so that's where we are with that. Um next show is Monarch. We caught up with that. Uh, there was not an extra episode because of yeah. There's the only th- yeah. There's only three episodes out. Uh, they probably did that because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. So next week, the fourth episode. Yes. Um, now, what's interesting about this is I saw an article. I don't know if it was Comics Media or IGN or somebody, but it brought it brought to light like the whole problem with like when you look at journalism uh, and they review this stuff because the guy who reviewed it wanted to make a point about nepotism. Because, oh, this is a good argument why nepotism is good. But also pointed out that, like, yeah, but this doesn't add a whole lot. Because remember all those old, those Godzilla movies that you don't remember any good, any of the details of? It's like, cool, this guy doesn't like the Godzilla movies. Why the fuck is he re- reviewing a Godzilla TV show then? Yeah. Like, if you're going to somebody review something, either they don't know nothing about it, they're a fan of it, um, 
or they're going to go in there with an open mind. When you have somebody that says, I don't like the Godzilla movies, they he You're going remembers to have, yeah. nothing from any of them because he doesn't think any of them are memorable. He's not going to review the TV show favorably at all. That's not a good reporter. Yeah. You need somebody who is e- either a fan of it, so fun, they're going to review it positively because they're a fan. Mm-hmm. But that's expected. That's why review outlets get paid to do reviews, right? Or somebody who knows nothing about it and is just going to go in blind and they'll tell you what their experience is. Um, but if their experience is negative, you don't have them review the sequels and the other content coming out with it because it's not their jam, which is fine. Yeah. But you don't have that same person keep ragging on how terrible everything is when they're obviously not the audience it's meant for. Exactly. Um, his big point about nepotism is that the fact that it's uncanny how uh, Kurt Russell looks like his and his son look exactly alike and like his son looks just like he did when he was younger so as we mentioned last time kurt russell's kid is playing yeah. the same character kurt russell is uh wyatt russell yeah um and it works perfectly as in like kurt russell's the older version like the supposedly 90 something year old where this well, guy mentions like i got good genes yeah it's like that's a real big stretch to <laughs> yeah. say he's 90 but we'll go with it because casting uh, both father and son it it works, it works so well perfectly. yeah and then that way you don't have to rely on cg or anything else or de-aging yeah it works fantastically and wyatt is every scene he's in he's chewing it up he's really good in those scenes yeah and he does sound a lot like his dad did too back in the, yeah. the old medford uh co- college uh Disney movies with uh, young Kurt Russell, like they sound mm-hmm. exactly alike too. I don't know how they did it, but damn, they did Hannah so. Fully hot of good genes, apparently. <laughs> they have damn good genes to be like, and you're a clone of your father. Bing, here you go. Like, so, damn. <laughs> so again, what this is showing us is more the background of Monarch and like that. Uh, yep. So there's Shaw, two Lee stories going on. Yeah, because Shawley, who is uh, played by Wyatt Russell, uh, the girl's grandmother. And uh, their grandfather, basically, who mm-hmm. was the uh, of the, the other scientist. The other scientist. Um, they're not the owners, the creators of Monarch. Monarch is owned by someone else that we don't see. But they went to Monarch, and then they're securing uh, military funding for Monarch mm-hmm. to be governmentally funded so that they continue researching stuff. And this is all because what they're basically doing is they're tracking Godzilla. They found a giant footprint. They think they can lure it out, uh, so they basically go to the military and uh, basically let them know that, hey, this thing is a threat, so we definitely need to uh, get some, more funding get for more this funding research. For, research it. We can lure it out if we get a ton of uranium. And so the military shows up with a bomb, and what this is supposed to allude to is like the little snippets that we saw in the very first Godzilla movie, and uh, they mentioned the South Pacific nuclear bomb testings. That do happen after World War II. Uh, so this lines up perfectly with it. They weren't testing nuclear bombs. They were mm-hmm. trying to kill Godzilla with it. Uh, not knowing that these creatures absorb and eat uh, radi- uh, radiation and uh, nuclear uh, material. Even though the scientists have an idea that, hey, these MUTOs basically absorb radiation and eat it. So that's why... This nuclear test wasn't going to work. They thought they might have killed it, Godzilla, but as we all know, they'll let know that they didn't. Um, but that's that's cool to see that, like the little snippet that you saw in the opening credits of the Godzilla movie, 
in 2016 um is now seeing the whole backstory to mm-hmm. that um and then we also got to see some more uh Mudos. we got to see a giant bat creature that basically apparently took a ship from pearl harbor all the way to the philippines yeah <laughs> and then uh which is weird because like the ships were nuclear or anything no. So we don't know necessarily why it took it, but um, it has. It took this ship. It's been like using it as not necessarily finger because all the people are dead in it, but it's been doing something to the ship. That's one of the f- first mudos that uh, Lee Shaw actually sees, and they mm-hmm. actually find to blue that yes, this is a credible thing. Well, Shaw and the grandmother yeah. first see. <clears throat> yeah, because like the very first episode that we watched, we talked about last week, was about ten years later than what's happening in the in the second episode yep um because they are jumping around in time yeah that's one of the things i wish they kind of would have set up with just because they jump back and forth between uh 2016 2015 15 i'm sorry 2015 and 1952 or this time timeline is happening in the past yes and it just jumps back and forth without a whole lot of um fanfare between it so they'll cut from something that's happening in the past to, okay, our characters in the present day or 2015 are now looking for Lee Shaw today to find out what he knows about what disappearance of their father. And then they'll jump back to 1952 and them trying to gather funding or something from the military. So yeah. that's a little weird how they're doing that. It would be nice if they just kind of told like, here's the episode all in the past. Yes. And here's an episode now with our, our present day characters or, or what we're calling present day characters. Um, but they do eventually meet up with Kurt Russell, um, uh, find out that he's in like a monarch retirement. Yep. Uh, oh, and monarch is after the kids. Yeah. Because they, of the data that they, that the stupid hacker put on online. I yeah. Mean, which she keeps blaming the brother and sister for, which is like, no bitch, it was all you. You shouldn't have done that online. If you were sm- like had happened, yeah. I mean, the way they explain it is like such a such a, a stupid mistake, which I feel like the writers didn't know necessarily how somebody would go about encrypting something or decrypting something. Yeah, because basically they flat say, "Oh, well, this we we got flagged with our of our information going online because this person put up a small bit of data, decrypted it online, and then they downloaded the decryptor and decrypted it offline." But it's like, why would you even put any of that data online if you know you're decrypting, like, possibly top secret uh, information? Yeah. You should have just downloaded the decryptor, see if it worked, and then keep going through the decryptor until you found one. Um, so Monarch is on the table. What we find out is that people chasing them in Monarch um, are not authorized to do so. Yeah. until the very end where, like... Uh, they finally get authorization. They finally get, like, one of the heads of Monarch that says, okay, now go figure out, find out, go find them. They went to Korea uh, to figure out what the fuck they're doing. Um, because basically the guy who was notified is trying, figures out whose data it is when he basically gets to, uh, the... To Tokyo. To Tokyo and gets to the son's house. Um, and it's like, oh shit, we need to get this data, we need to get this data. We don't know necessarily why it's so important, because it is, uh, so old. But, um, we do now know that Monarch is now going in full force to go find them, but... Kurt Russell's already got them from Japan to Korea on to a old like uh, fighter World Two fighter plane into Alaska. Yeah. Um. So Monarch pretty much has no idea where the fuck they're at. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> um. But what they find in Alaska, they find the what they originally believe is the crashed plane yeah. that the father was in. 
Oh, uh, they don't find the father's body. They find the campsite and the research that they were doing. And the uh, pilot. Yeah, and then their pilot up there then finds that. Oh wait, the plane that they thought was crashed was not crashed. It was landed and it was secured down. It was destroyed after they landed safely. Yeah. He starts freaking out to everybody. Hey, let's get out of here. Get out of here. He jumps in the plane and then boom, another Mudo shows up like a mole looking type one. Yeah. And fucking just trashes the plane before the anyone can get away. And that's when and the, kills the uh, kills the pilot, pilot the yeah, with, with like a f- frost breath. Yeah. Um. So that's really cool. And then it turns to Kurt Russell and crew, and then cut to black. Yeah. And now we have to wait for episode four. Yeah, so you don't get to see what happens. So it's kind of cool, though, to see a brand, a brand new Muto, just like we saw with the eggs that killed the grandmother. Yep. We also And we saw a new Muto in episode two. Yeah, with the bat. With, like, the bat thingy. And these are not ones that necessarily were showing up at the end of King of Monsters. No. Because that, that's, out of all the movies, that's the one that kind of has the most divisive, weird ending where, like, Godzilla's screaming and then all the other monsters are like, oh, they're up and awake and they're all moving around to, like, praise Godzilla. And it's like... By uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong, it's like, well, what, did Godzilla tell the rest of them to go back to sleep? That all like, woke up? fuck off. Like, they all just, like, they don't seem to be a, an international problem like they should be if all the different mudos are up and running yeah. around. Um, so that's, like, one of the weird devices that they kind of ignore when it comes to King, King Kong. We're not there yet with this yeah. story. Like, right now, this story, the only thing that's ha- that has happened has been the San Francisco incident. Yeah, that and also uh, Skull Island in the 70s. And Skull Island in the 70s, which nobody really knows about anyway. Yeah, because that's just an isolated thing. <laughs> Monarch is probably spending all their money at this point moving Kong off of Skull Island to where facility they had him in Kong versus Godzilla. Right. Um, or figuring out how to do that. Yes, because we don't know when they move him, but at some point they move him because Skull Island gets uh, the storm surrounding Skull Island and eventually encapsulates Skull Island, so they move him off the island. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is interesting to see other Mudos that we haven't seen before mm-hmm. um, and that also aren't just like the mammoth size of Godzilla or Ghidorah or Radon, who are like mountain size or almost, mount- almost half the size of mountain pterodactyl with Rodon is. Yeah. Or these giant, huge mammoth monsters. The bat was just bigger, just a little bit bigger than the boat that he took. Yeah, a little bit bigger than the battleship. The, the uh, mole, mole guy was, was definitely bigger than the airplane, but he's nowhere near Godzilla size. They're still yeah. <clears throat> quite small in comparison. So it is definitely interesting to see these different mudos and where they are in their life cycles. Because even when Godzilla showed up at in South Pacific, we're like... He's big, but he's not that as he's, big as he should be. He's not <laughs> our big boy he's yet. He's not as big as he was in San Francisco. Yeah. Our um, big, big boy. I I was so happy to see my big boy. Yeah. The effects, again, are awesome. They all yes. look at the same level as the movie, so it's definitely, definitely really cool. Yes. Very high production. <laughs> if you don't have Apple, again, I would suggest once this is all out, like get a free trial and then binge watch this and like yes. Ted Lasso is another good show to watch on Yes, Apple. watch Ted. Um, But like... Oh, I there really, is a uh, Christmas special coming out with one of the actors yeah, from Tennessee. But with this, um, I really wish, and they don't normally do it, but I wish streaming services would take some of their shows and sell them on Blu-ray or something. Yes. Because not only could they... Make more money. Make more money after like, hey, the show's run its course on the streaming. People aren't watching it anymore. We should either remove it or, or just leave it there to kind of like... Rot. Rot and <laughs> sit, sit there in perpetuity. 
Because these streaming shows don't exist anywhere else. Yeah. It would be nice if some if they were recorded or put down onto DVD, uh, to like Blu-ray or whatever new media that comes out so that we can actually have a physical copy of them. Because I'd definitely pay to have this and have it kept, have it with a collection of all the Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. Um, or have the option to buy the show digitally, something like that. Um, yeah. Because, like, I don't want to see, like, a good show like this that might have its few good viewers, like us watching it, or a few people who do like it, to then suddenly see it disappear like Willow did. Like, they took Willow off Disney+, Plus; it no longer exists. Nobody's ever going to watch the Willow TV show ever again because nobody will yeah. have, ever have it. Um, cause it'll no- be one of those things where people are like, hey, did you remember that they made a Willow TV yeah, show? Did that exist? I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, if you have Apple TV, definitely watch it. Check yes. it out. Um, watch Invincible, great show on Prime. And Scott, Scott Pilgrim, Pilgrim takes off on Netflix. Another great show to watch. Yeah. Uh, next week uh, we'll talk about Blue Beetle because we'll have finally watched that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and more Monarch. More Monarch. And then we'll see what else is out because yeah. I think um, What If is supposed to come out sometime in December, but I think that's going to be <laughs> mid December if I remember correctly off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, there's also a Doctor Who that has a few part series. We could talk about Doctor Who next week too. Uh, yeah, or we, we could talk about it now. It's up to you. Well, we can do a little bit on, on the first the first episode because this the sixtieth special, the sixtieth anniversary special, is three episodes. One came out this uh, past Saturday. Yeah. The next one comes out next Saturday on the second, mm-hmm. and then the, th- the following Saturday it will be the the third final episode. This is unique because this is, for some reason, when Jodie Whittaker regenerated, she regenerated into David Tennant, which never happens. The Doctor never regenerates back into an old face. It's supposed to be the new character. Yes. But that rolls into what they always do around Christmas time is an anniversary special. Yeah, or a big Christmas special. Yeah, which usually those kind of take place in the timeline, but then kind of like don't. Um, Because we have seen like David Tennant and Matt Smith... Uh, come back and reprise the roles of the doctors in different timelines and whatnot. Um, but this is interesting because they brought back David Tennant to play the doctor and to go back specifically to one uh, companion, Donna uh, Noble, who honestly, like some people, I guess, like her. I never really cared for her because she was like a loudmouth Karen. <laughs> yeah. She's obnoxious. And she even admits it in this episode that she can be obnoxious and uh, a loudmouth all the time. But basically, her story ended with, like, she had to forget everything about the Doctor because she absorbed the mind of a Time Lord. And if she ever remembered the Doctor and their adventures, she would die because she couldn't handle... The Time Lord The Time Lord power, <laughs> mind, whatever. You know, typical Doctor uh, Who bullshit. he becomes... David. The Doctor turns into David Tennant. He, he shows up right in front of Donald Noble. She doesn't remember who, she, who he is. They're trying. Uh, He's trying to avoid her. Trying to avoid her, but he's <laughs> also wondering, like, why the hell am I here? Yeah. Why is Donna all around me? This has to be fate. The universe is starting to revolve around Donna. All of a sudden, what the hell's going on? Yeah, and then a spaceship crashes. Yeah, and the spaceship crashes, which apparently held this cute creature called a meep. Meep. Who's being hunted down by looks like giant cockroaches. Yeah, they look like terraformers from that anime. Yeah, terraformer. Terraformers. Yeah, they look like almost <laughs> exactly like that. Um, they never explain the spacey whimsy thing inside the Meep spaceship that 
takes control of everybody. Yeah, they just glossed over yeah, like, that. So the doctor's like trying to figure out what, why is this ship landed in the steel, steel mill? Because obviously it didn't crash, it landed. Yeah. It's, it's uh, sitting upright. Yep. Uh, Donna has a kid. Donna has uh, got married, had a kid, won the lotto, gave all the lottery money all away. All her money away. Was it like uh, $166 million? Yeah. $166 million pounds. pounds away to charity, all of it. All around the world. Um, so, like, her husband's trying to But they do buy a house. They bought a house is the only thing that they did. <laughs> but now they're, like, he, the husband has to drive a cab and whatnot to make, uh, help make, pay for the house. Yeah, she lost her job recently. Yeah. And her daughter, we found out, is doing a side hustle. hustle. like, making stuffed animals. Yeah. Um, a yep. weird stuffed animals. Weird stuffed animals. And also people are, she's been made fun of her whole life for some reason, which don't really explain that. Yeah. Um. The only thing I could think of is what happens kind of towards the end or whatnot is that we'll get there. We'll get there. But basically, um, find out that this meep thing is uh, being hunted. They're trying to help it. But then the doctor realizes, hey, the cockroach people aren't killing anybody. They're just stunning them. The only ones trying to kill people are the mind-controlled soldiers who got controlled by whatever was in the meep ship. And then, like, there's an impromptu uh, call council type yeah he pulls on the, the the wig and calls a shadow proclamation council thing which the shadow proclamation thing has come up a few times but we never really see what it is know what it is yeah but basically calls like a ceasefire so they can discuss what the fuck's going on and that's when this meep goes from like cute like cute, adorable. adorable giant stuffed animal yeah. to like oh no it's vicious it's a vicious monster that wants to kill everything yeah uh it gets ugly and mean and like has sharp teeth and says i'm gonna kill everything Meep um, is not a cute meep anymore. Yeah, the meep runs away. Um, and as they're all f- solving this, the doctor has to, like, uh, meep gets back to the spaceship. It's going to take off, but it uses a specific drive that basically uh, drills down into the ground and then pulls energy up in order to propel it. Yep. Which, of course, Doctor Who's never going to explain the science behind that type of stuff. No, but... But basically, it... this is going to destroy London. Yeah, well, a five-mile... Radius, radius which included which included uh downtown london because um, of course london's yeah. always in peril yeah so they have to stop the ship from taking off with the meep in it so that they can go uh save london the doctor's inside the ship he's trying to uh short circuit it but gets cut off with only half the room in there donna's in there with him because she wants to go and help, help him save save everything She's- and so he has to depro- uh, deprogram her so that she remembers everything so that she can actually help, even though she'll only have like 60 seconds to live afterwards. He does all that. She helps out. They defeat the Meep. They defeat the Meep. They shut down the ship. They reverse everything. Uh, and then she definitely takes the time out to yell at the doctor about her giving away $166 million because she wa- uh, she wanted to be more like him. Yeah, subconsciously. Subconsciously. So she's. This is why, like, she wasn't a likable character because she was a piece of shit. Damn. And here she (laughs) is. As soon as she gets her her memory back, is yelling at the doctor, like, fuck you. You made me get rid of $166 million because I wanted to be more like you and save everybody. I should have been greedy and kept all the money for myself. That's her first thought. That's why this this character is not likable. But basically. Yeah. They think she's going to die. She doesn't because obviously like, you figure it out that, oh, she had a kid. This Time Lord thing is between uh, got passed on or split between her and the kid. That's why the kid's weird. But, like, 
The kid's also not, they also refer to her as like her daughter, but her daughter's like a grown woman. Yeah, but they like <clears throat> refer to her like as, as if being a, a child. teen. Yeah, being a child, a child or something. But she's clearly like in her 20s. And the only thing I can yeah. think of is, I guess, like, because she's being made fun of as being called Alex by, by kids on a bike earlier when they're walking down the street. And the only thing I can think of is that maybe she chose to be non-binary because she brought up with the meat, like, hey, why are you assuming it's a he? Yeah. And then the doctor had to ask it what its pronouns were. And it's and all it said was meep. So you're says, like, I go by the meep. It's like, yeah, I understand. I'm the doctor. Yeah. So that there, I can totally see the the the, the, woke, the cis crowd being like, oh, it's being too woke, blah, 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 blah. It's weird that they threw that in there and didn't bother to explain anything of it with her. And that the daughter's just like, oh, I feel more like myself now. Because when he deprogrammed Donna... It deprogrammed the daughter, and then she understood. She had all the same memories, basically. Yeah. And understood why she has always felt different. But then they do. I think is really, really stupid and really <laughs> shitty writing. Is that? Um, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, I gotta fix you two now because you guys still have this time lord shit in there. And they're like, no, we can do it ourselves. And all, they, and all they say is like, well, if you were still a woman, doctor, you would under, you would understand. And then they just give it away like it's nothing. And it's really yeah. lazy writing to be like, oh, it's a woman thing. We can do her the fuck we want. Think of a, a guy wrote that just to kind of quickly. They had to get like, it out. They had to get it get solve that problem super quick. So yeah. It's like, that's kind of it's, the problem with that with this episode. Weak. That's why I like the Matt Smith stuff because it's always very clever how they figured everything out. Yes. Out where this is very much of emotions. Okay, we are we're done. We need to save the day. There's one more problem. Okay, cool. That problem just goes away like that. Yeah, just magic because we have two more special episodes to do before we introduce the actual new Doctor. Which, I mean, they could have took that problem over to the next episode. 100%. 100%. But basically, this goes on with, unfortunately, we have more Donna Noble because <laughs> he gets into the TARDIS. It's a new TARDIS. When I, I find the TARDIS, the new TARDIS after Matt Smith to be very boring and generic because they're all super clean and, like, super sterilized. Sterile. It's way too sterile. There's no Matt, imagine. Yeah, Matt was whimsical and imaginative. Yeah. And, like, because I had a typewriter type out coordinates he had. Uh, telephone in there and we had a bunch of like just random shit a kid puts into their imagination because that's how yeah uh, it was burned yeah which i loved where the pure patrol's doctor is kind of more sterile again and then this one is just completely white i don't remember what jody whitaker's uh one looked like yeah this is just completely white with just round circles around everything but basically, somehow Donna dumps fucking coffee on the TARDIS, and it ta- and it goes crazy. It starts exploding and takes off. Yeah. And now they're going through time and space. The Doctor and Donna again. He has to get her back to her family eventually. <coughs> but I'm sure they run into some problems with wherever they land. Of course, of course. It seems so lazily written compared it's... to the Stephen Moffat stuff. Yeah, because it literally weird. was like, "Oh, I have my cup of tea." And then she dumps it on. She literally throws it on there. Like, yeah, oops. Like, what, how are you this dumb and cl- whatever? Like, it didn't come off as clumsy because it wasn't like, oh, what time? It looked like purposeful, like, whoops. Yeah. And like, because the mother told her, like, don't go in there because I know you want to see and all that. But if you go in there, something's going to happen. You're all going to disappear. Here. And, and exactly what happened. Yeah. It's like, listen to your mom. <laughs> um, clearly, Stephen Moffat, a much better writer for the show. Um, yeah. We'll have to see what happens. I didn't watch much of the Jodie Whittaker season. Didn't watch much of Peter uh, Cap- Capanelli's stuff either. 
Well, that's mostly because we, we didn't we like don't, his companion. We don't like Claire. Like she was, a t- I think she was a bad companion as well. Yeah. She's not as unlikable as Donna, but um, she's close. She's pretty damn close. She, well, she's not annoying like Donna. She's just because um, Donna's just literally an unlikable person. Where like Claire was just kind of boring and didn't. I don't feel like she had anything to offer because mm-hmm. there's no stakes for her like there was with Amy Pond. Yeah. And then Amy Pond ended up being a major component of the Doctor's life and who he is. Where Claire, I don't feel like, was, was like that. Rose is definitely a major part. That's like his first love. Donna, not really. She's just kind of annoying. Yeah. Just, like, got stuck coming along and complained the whole time. Um, Amy Pond ends up becoming his mother-in-law. Yes. And the mother of, of uh, River, River Song. River Song. So she's a major component of his life. Claire, fucking nothing. Yeah. And Jodie Whittaker's uh, companion, which is basically a family of people, <clears throat> kind of meh. I don't know. I don't know what really happens in her season, and I would have to go back and actually just watch all of hers to see what, how it goes. She wasn't necessarily a bad doctor, um, and I don't think any of the episodes I did see, they weren't written poorly. Um, it just wasn't... It just wasn't as wonderful as, good, as Matt yeah. Smith, I think. Matt Smith is definitely our favorite doctor. Well, um, because... He- <clears throat> You clearly saw the major art that they were going to go through with him. Yeah. And his seasons, which was nice. The like the last two, you didn't really get what their end goals going to be for that season. Yeah. Uh, or with that particular doctor. That's the thing because from the gig of Matt Smith, the crack of the wall and the crack in time plays a big thing throughout the entire arc. Yeah. <clears throat> until they close that up, whereas. Jody Whitaker stuff and even uh, Peter Campanelli, um, there was no like clearly this is the story arc that we're going to follow from episode one of their of their adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we're still big Doctor Who fans, and we're going to watch the rest of this uh, 60th anniversary stuff to see them finally transition into a Black Doctor, which will be really cool to see, um, and see where they go with that, and see how this Doctor is and what his new TARDIS looks like. Because hopefully. The TARDIS will change again and be what his TARDIS it's not should be sterile. and not be this sterile white thing. It will all depend on the personality of this new Doctor. Yeah. Uh, which is what this stuff is all leading up to. We'll probably be leaving uh, David Tennant. It would be weird if they brought Matt Smith or Peter Campanelli in. Yeah. In between this, that would make sense to me. I think they should just, because Donald's with us, they should just run with David Tennant until he transforms into the next Doctor. Yeah. Um, or get rid of Donna and then you can do something with... The other dog. Yeah, leave Donna behind. Honestly, I mean, she she complains all the time. I agree. You're not in the yeah. wrong. So, yeah, that was the Doctor Who episode. Uh, we'll keep, be keeping up with that next week, as well as Blue Beetle. We'll have uh, our kind of review of what, of what we thought of that movie. Yeah. Um, and anything else that comes out in between. So, um, Oh, and Monarch. Yes, and definitely Monarch. Um, so, thank you for listening. Um Gotta thank whoever in Germany it was who decided to download every episode of the podcast on the 24th because we had a huge spike of like 80 downloads coming from Germany. I liked you. Somebody downloaded every single episode, it looked like, in one day. Why? I don't know. But there's a huge spike. Maybe they're doing an AI version of our voices. Who knows? Um, But cool that you downloaded it. Please. uh, Subscribe, comment, let us know what what you think of everything. Yeah, I mean, you downloaded everything from the old stuff of of uh, forthright gaming all the way to the new stuff. So stupid cat. Um, hope you enjoy it. 
and happy to continue uh, talking about games and movies and maybe do some specials and stuff. Maybe we'll do a full uh, Doctor Who Matt Smith special because uh, me and Corey w- watched all of that. Yeah. I really um, like that. That's basically our favorite Doctor. Um, so we'll go from there. Uh, again, you can catch us at www.thenerdcrusade.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like Thursday, Fridays, I'll be off from my day job, so I'll probably be streaming on those days. Okay, new um, stream so, schedule. So we'll get a new stream schedule set up on Twitch for that. So catch us at twitch.tv slash nerdcrusade. And our, all our uh, streams and everything usually go up on YouTube at the YouTube Nerd Crusade channel, okay? Yep, and um, everything comes out on t- Tuesdays. Yeah. Yep, Tuesdays is when the podcast comes out. Uh, so hit us up. Let's know what you think. Please like and subscribe, all you people uh, listening on Spotify. Uh, you keep liking, keep uh, liking, and uh, subscribe to our podcast. You people in Germany are the you one people. person in Germany who download every episode. <laughs> uh, thank you, German. Thanks, and uh, hey, subscribe to the RSS feed. RSS feed. I saw that you got downloaded everything through Chrome. Um, by all means, <laughs> please keep listening. Let us know your feedback, and we're happy to hear it. Yeah, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.